How could getting rid of the desks in your classroom promote deep learning for your students? Today, we have Richard Smith on the show to share some of his best practices for inspiring young people to learn French. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. My friend and Cohort 21 colleague, Jen Barros, told me about Richard Smith back when we recorded our episode together, which is episode 13, part two, if you haven't listened to it yet. I didn't know a lot, but Jen basically said that he was a French teacher who went deskless to promote better classroom conversations in French. I was intrigued, but I honestly didn't know anything about French, so I felt like I wouldn't be the best person to conduct the conversation. So I asked Jen to record a call with Richard, and that is what I'm sharing with you today. What I love about this conversation is that it's two passionate French teachers exploring how to engage French language learners, how to actively inspire students to speak in authentic situations, and how to make French class an emotional learning experience. If you don't know her, Jen Barros is a middle-level French teacher in Toronto, and she's also a coach with Cohort 21. A wonderful introduction to Jen is back on episode 13, so do yourself a favor and give that episode a listen to spend some more time with Jen. I learned so much about teaching in my own context by listening in on and editing this conversation. So even if you're not a French teacher, I am confident that you will have some powerful takeaways for your own practice. Let's jump right in to Jen's conversation with Richard Smith. Um, Hi, Richard. Welcome to Celeste's Teaching Tomorrow podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today to talk about Core French. Can you please tell us about yourself, where you teach, who you teach, and how you became a French teacher? Perfect. So, uh, hello. My name is uh, Richard Smith. I'm a proud Franco-Ontarian, even though I have the last name of Smith, I am French speaking. I uh, have been a teacher for 20 years and I graduated from Ottawa U as a K-6 English teacher. When I first started working, there were no positions, so I went to many schools to teach. Uh, to look for a supply teaching job and because I spoke French many schools wanted my services and I happened to replace a teacher for a whole year in core French at one of the schools and I accidentally fell into core French which is uh, a blessing because uh, I haven't looked back I just love teaching core French presently I teach in a high school to middle school middle school students I teach uh, grade seven and eight core French at Sir Robert Borden High School in Ottawa. And uh, again, I love, I love teaching core French. I do not want to teach immersion. I had one teacher told me she'd rather have a root canal than teach a core French to intermediate <laughs> students, which I, I thought was quite funny. Um, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I, I happened to fall into core French by, by accident really 20 some years ago. So there's my, my answer. I can I can totally relate. I think that it takes like a really special person to decide that they want to choose to spend their day with 13 and 14 year olds. And so, but I'm the same way. Like I love it too. I teach grades six, seven, and eight, and um, I couldn't imagine teaching a different age group. It's it's really exciting and fun. Um, so tell us a little bit about AIM and what that is and how you use it in your program and, um, and also about CFR and kind of what that means and how you integrate all of that together with your grade 7 and 8 program. 
Right. So AIM, I started AIM in 2004. Um, I took a workshop. I just saw the, the possibilities, uh, gesturing, plays. I didn't know much about the program, but I jumped uh, full in right away and I haven't looked back. So AIM is, uh, you start with gestures and with gestures come a play and with the play comes the reading and the writing. So it's a methodology that I've been using for uh, 15 years of my 20 year career. And I, I'll never look back because it's, it's been a game changer for myself and my students. The CEFR, without being a, a pro at what it is, uh, our board, the Ottawa Carleton District School Board, uh, was one of the first boards in Canada, if not Ontario, to really adopt uh, the CEFR. Uh, common uh, European framework of reference and they talk about can-do statements and uh, what your students can do in the language classroom. So I just started reading and looking up information on YouTube and online and a lot of my activities uh, blend in with AIM and I, I kind of blend the two together to uh, have my students speak and that's all I want is I want my students to speak before anything else when they walk into the French classroom. So the two of them blend together. I try to, I try to make it happen and uh, it, it, uh, it works most of the time. And I'm very thankful that AIM gives my students the, the solid foundation to push them to uh, more critical thinking stages that have to do with the CFR as well. When I visited your classroom, one of the major differences I noticed between your classroom and a traditional middle school classroom is that you have no desks in your classroom. So how did you come to the decision to go deskless and how has that changed your teaching and how has it changed the teaching and the learning in the room? Yeah, it's a great question. I used to have uh, high top tables and my students would stand for 40 minutes. Uh, they would learn while standing, which is, a, I'm a big fan of having students stand. So the high top tables uh, were massive, too big for my classroom. So I asked, I've been on a few Facebook groups uh, that are uh, deskless, uh, teacher deskless Facebook groups. And I started thinking about what if I went deskless? And um, I asked my principal for 30 stools. And she agreed to buy me 30 stools. We got rid of my high top tables. And uh, now my students come in the class and they sit on stools and there's nothing in front of them except me. Um, I went deskless because, I say this during my workshops, you don't need a desk to learn a language. The teacher needs to inspire through the heart and then the head. So it's, it's an emotional learning before being a cognitive learning. So why have desks or tables when they're not needed in the language, language classroom? Number two, 80% of my activities are, are based on oral activities. So do you need a desk to speak? No. To communicate with another friend, you don't. So I decided to go deskless. It's created a lot more room in my class. We can uh, pull the stools to the side. Uh, we can uh, manipulate the class the way I want within seconds. Uh, it's an open space for improv, or I put my stools in groups of three. And but I can easily switch up my classes. My students didn't complain. I think they found it kind of different 
and I always try to to push 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 my students, push myself in trying different things. And going deskless was one of them, and I have no regrets. And I don't think my students have any regrets either. We write on clipboards, right? Every student has a clipboard. Uh, they have pencils. I provide erasers. I provide mini whiteboards, and they they have everything they need to be productive. But they don't have a desk. Also. I encourage my students to stand. Uh, sitting on a stool for 40 minutes is not that comfortable. So I tell my students, I say this in French, if you're tired, stand up and walk, walk, pace the room at the back of the room, or go stand mm -hmm. on the wall and learn and learn and listen to me or to others while you're standing. So I have a lot of times half my classes are standing, they're pacing yeah. back and forth. Uh, some some sit on the floor, lean their backs on a uh, classroom wall, um, and whatever works for them. If they're comfortable, if they're speaking in French, uh, that's all I care about, and uh, it, it it works my class. And I think my intermediate students kind of like it. What are some examples of your favorite learning activities to do with your students to get them speaking, or what are some of their favorite activity learning activities for? Um, speaking that like a classroom teacher could try out tomorrow if they well, wanted. So the first thing I do, uh, the first activity that I do is, is I start my class in the hallway. Uh, my students must meet me in the hallway. I go out in the hallway and I greet them there. We sing a rap that uh, promotes French only in the classroom. I'll ask them questions. What I'm trying to do in the hallway is to switch their brains from English to French. They've had their whole day in English. English math, science, history, geography, phys ed, lunchroom, before school, during recess. And if they come to you with English in their heads and they walk right in, then to me, I've lost my classroom. So the first thing that I do, uh, they must meet me in the hallway. I greet them. We do a song and dance, a little French rap. And then I'm the first to walk into my class because I'm pack leader. And then I invite my pack into my class. They pick a card because we do uh, the visible random groupings, which I can talk about later. Uh, but they pick a card and they go sit at um, a group with the card number on it. And uh, that's what I do right off the bat first thing. My grade sevens come to me, they're new to our school. They come from feeder schools. I have to teach them all this. I have to be, I have to be firm but fair, but I have to tell them that they can't speak English in the French classroom. So that number mm -hmm. one activity is if I can encourage any teacher, start your class in the hallway. If you don't have your own class, pull the kids out of their English environment, try and switch their brains from English to French and invite them back into their classroom, hopefully thinking, speaking in French already, so it's easier for them to get going. Uh, so that would be one activity. Um, I have so many. Um, you, I do um, what is called Mali, which is walking mm -hmm. and talking. Did, were you I there love that I one. did that? Yeah, right. I so love that, that one. I encourage teachers. Yeah, so I use many stories in my class. I encourage every FSL teacher in core French, a story, any story, work that story, uh, dissect it, work, uh, ask questions about it. And once the kids know the story quite well, we'll go to the hallway and we'll read the story in groups of two. So they're walking and talking up and down a hallway, uh, which again, they're standing, they're walking, and which increases their, 
what does it do? It increases their uh, focus uh, tremendously. Mm -hmm. So I love that activity and I've done it in all my schools uh, with, with a lot of success. So walking and talking, reading a story, uh, saying opposites. I say one word, my, my partner says the opposite. When you read a story while walking and talking, each in groups of two, students will uh, get a character and just read, read out the play in groups of two, uh, share many characters between the two of you. But the idea is for 15, about 15 minutes to walk up and down the hallway and do something, uh, read while walking and talking. Another mm -hmm. one I do is the inside outside circle with I saw uh, that C one too. Great. Yeah, CEFR questions. Um, I'll uh, plug my website after because all my <laughs> activities are, are on my website. Um, and uh, that is students. The one, students, some students are the inside circle, others on the outside. They ask each other questions, they answer questions in complete sentences. Uh, those are activities that I love to do. Another one is movie talk, which I just started um, about this time last year. Mm -hmm. You can Google movie talk. Martina Becks is a great uh, language teacher in the States. I went on her website, Comprehensible Classroom, and I learned how to do movie talks, which I do at least once a week with my students. It's easily done. It's comprehensible input. You feed students language. And because of AIM, my students know so much I just use a different story from the aim play to feed them more vocabulary, more questioning, more higher end thinking questions. So that's one thing I love to do is movie talk. And I also, uh, I'm lucky enough to have vertical whiteboards in my classroom. And I think you were there when we did the running dictate. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I have what I have nine uh, vertical whiteboards in my class. Uh, again, in groups of three, the kids go to the vertical whiteboards. They have one marker for three students. These are two by three whiteboards that are drilled into the wall. And I'll often uh, ask my students to answer some questions, uh, write, do some writing, but they have to speak French to come up with a solution and they write it on the whiteboard. So again, I, I'm kind of lucky because AIM gives me the opportunity to do all these things. Mm -hmm. um, because AIM just gives them so much language right off the bat because mm -hmm. my students cannot speak English. And because I gesture initially with my grade sevens, uh, they're speaking in French from the very first day they walk into class. And because of the French only rule, uh, we're able to move forward every day. We just progress. And now my grade eights, which I had last year, they're, they're already at a high level. And my job this year is to take them even higher. I have so many more activities, but the four that I mentioned, uh, the, the walking and talking, the inside outside circle, movie talk, and uh, the vertical non-permanent surfaces are four of my big, big favorites that I use. And they mm -hmm. all promote oral interaction in the classroom or outside in the hallway. That's amazing. How do you engage students who are more disengaged? Mm. <laughs> I have one this year. I won't mention his name. He's new to me in grade seven. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, thing to do. And to be honest, I leave them alone. In the past, I would, I, I would push, force. I would insist. And that would backfire. 
And even with this one boy in grade seven, he told me he hates French. He doesn't even know me. I think I make class interesting. I make it fun, but he couldn't care less. So I am just going to leave him be. And mm -hmm. I'm hoping by him seeing the energy of the class that he's in, because 98% of the kids are buying into what I'm doing. Uh, I'm hoping that something will switch or click and he'll realize yeah. that, you know, maybe I, I can participate because my best yeah. friend is doing it or the, the whole class is participating and maybe I don't want to be the guy uh, being left out. And so I, I tend not to push, which I didn't do in the past. And when you push a student, um, more times than not, they'll, they'll uh, give up even more because mm -hmm. they don't like to be, uh, they don't like to be, what's the word? Not pushed, but be stood out. Yeah, like called That's out. That's the expression. They don't like to be called out. Singled or something. out. So I tend, yeah. yeah, singled out. There it is. My, my, my nervousness is showing in my <laughs> French and English right now. But uh, uh, I don't want them to be singled out. So I'm, I'm thinking of this one student in grade seven. And I'm just going to let him be, take it all in. Mm -hmm. He's still getting good comprehensible input because we all speak French. So I know he's listening. Uh, he's just not participating because mm -hmm. he, he's not a happy boy. He right. doesn't have a great home life. I know this because uh, we just know uh, yeah. he's back and forth between his brother and his parents. It's, it's just not mm -hmm. a very good, good life for him right now. And so it, it, I know that it's not just a French issue, but a life issue. So right. come in, hang out. The only thing I ask, don't speak English. And guess what? He doesn't speak English. That's great. So, it is because he's listening and mm -hmm. he's hanging out whether there's any input whether the i'm hoping he's taking it all in but at least he's not disturbing the class he's not speaking in english he sits in a corner on the floor mm -hmm. and he just he just sits there and i try just to let it go it's not easy because i i'm very demanding as a teacher and i want my kids to participate and, and improve mm -hmm. every day uh, but this boy won't and i've had many like him I'm just trying to do something different to say, you know what, come in, hang out, don't speak English. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's not, it's not a magic formula, yeah. but uh, it, it works for me right now. And uh, we'll, we'll see where this takes us. And I'm hoping yeah. he'll change. Well, and it sounds like that's what that student needs right now. <laughs> he, he doesn't need me to, yeah. <laughs> you know, drill him and why you're yeah. not doing this and yeah so it, it doesn't work right so anyway i i don't want to push it yeah yeah i know that you have a lot of students or in the past you've had experience with students for whom french is not their second language but it could potentially be their third or fourth language so how do you support students in your classroom who are not only learning french but also learning english <laughs> how do you support them in your classroom aim i gesture <laughs> I gesture till the cows come home. Uh, I have Canadian students who had had French since kindergarten, who are now with me in grade seven. They're in their seventh year of French. Canadian students mm -hmm. who can't speak, read, or write after seven years of core French. Right. So when I get them in grade seven, to me, they're all at the same level. They're not all at the same level. I get kids who are strong some are just where they should be some are very weak and some come to Canada no English no French and they're dropped into my core French classroom 
But because I do aim and because I gesture initially, every child is learning at the same rhythm, at the same level. And I just bring them up and I build this great solid foundation of, of language in context, taught in complete sentences, initially through my gesturing. And from there, we all grow at the same pace. We grow together. We learn the same vocabulary, the same, whatever AIM teaches, the comprehensible input. And from there, sky's the limit. Um, the problem is, if I have a child coming to me in grade eight, they didn't have mm -hmm. me in grade seven. Right. So they missed a whole year of AIM and, and really speaking in French, reading and writing in French. And that's where I asked the kid, the student, don't speak English, don't speak any language, just come in, go into your group and listen. They're always paired up with two or three other students in their group. And I always ask my students who are with this new student to support and help. And if, I ha if they have to, I'll give permission to one of my students to speak Arabic or English to this new student just to guide them along in what we're doing. But mm -hmm. hopefully they can whisper, not speak English too loud. Um, but that's what I do. Uh, it's, it's not a magical formula. The idea is to listen and listen and listen. And hopefully by mid-year, they're going to start producing a bit of writing, uh, you know, a bit of spoken and some reading. But again, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a tough, tough call. But I think AIM really helps all my students initially. Uh, fantastic mm -hmm. methodology. Obviously, I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm a big believer. And mm -hmm. um, it, it really helps all my students, whether they uh, are Canadian or uh, new immigrants. Um, it seems to work with everybody. When you have a new student coming, especially, I guess, in grade eight, where they haven't had you for seven, and they don't know French, do you modify their program? I don't really modify. What I'll do is I'll give them less to do. Mm -hmm. I'll give them less writing. Um, they, I'll give them easier questions if I'm doing interviews one-on-one -on -one to see where their French is. Um, yeah. I'm very forgiving. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not there to ruin their experience. I know they'll never be able to catch up. Mind you, some of them, I had a girl from, uh, from China who arrived in grade eight, such a keener, such a great mm -hmm. learner. And within two, three months, she was almost as strong as some of my students that I had in grade seven who Amazing. came to me in grade eight. Amazing, but again, uh, she was self-driven. Mm -hmm. I paired her up with another uh, Chinese student who I had in grade seven, and the two girls just bonded right away. And uh, one supported the other, came to me at recess for more help. I, I helped her as, as much as I could. So if they come to me in grade eight, again, um, do I modify? I have to. So my expectations are a lot lower, um, less writing, less reading, less answering. And again, just come in, enjoy the process of learning French. You're going to struggle. But I'm hoping by mid-year, you know, after six, seven months, they'll be able to, to produce something. Obviously not at the level of my former students that I had in grade seven, who are now with me in grade eight. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't, you know, Jen, I don't stress over that. Um, I don't mm -hmm. go, you know, I, I, I'm doing too much, not enough. I sort of gauge where they're at and I try to modify their, their work as much as I could to make them feel yeah. successful. All right. I want my students to feel like they, they are learning, they're, they're progressing. And it's not about I, I suck, I'm not good enough. 
Um, so I'm trying to be encouraging and, and, and do the best that I can do as well. And so I guess to follow up with that, when they are, when you have to report on those students, do they get a modification on their report card as well? Or do they, you assess yeah. them according to a grade eight level curriculum? I assess them at a grade eight level, uh, but they, their, their, their box is checked for, because okay. I don't check their box. Someone does it for me or maybe okay. I do it. Um, okay. But I check their box and the comment I don't say they're working at a grade four level, yeah. but maybe that their program has been modified because they, they have to be, right? So yeah. if I'm lo looking back at what I did in the past, I do check the box and I try to, because you can't have them work at a, a grade eight level if they've never had the language before. Yeah, right? we're, I'm just, this is like personally curious to me because one of my colleague has a student in her grade eight, I don't, it's, he's not in my class, but in her class where she, he is brand, brand new to French in grade eight. And, um, and so she's, she's actually like, she'll be doing her lesson with the class. And then in the back of the room, she's doing aim with him when the rest of the class is working on another activity. And, and so I know that she's trying to figure out the same thing. Like she wants him to be really successful and feel really good about his year. And there's always that worry of like when the report card finally comes out, if we're still assessing them with a grade eight yeah. level, um, that it, it, we just don't want our students to feel like all their hard work was for was for nothing when they look at a, num a level on a report card. You know, the hardest thing for a student when they learn a language is obviously the writing. Yeah. And that's always going to be the weakest thing. And then uh, the speaking, listening, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's receptive. You just, I know they can listen. I know they understand. Uh, the, the speaking is hard, but the writing is harder. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always the weakest of my marks is the writing. Yeah. Always. Because... Writing is difficult in French. Mm -hmm. Speaking is difficult. Writing is even more difficult. So still, you know, I want the, these kids to feel good. I, you know, Mark's, Mark's, you know, assessment. I know it's, it's another topic that we're probably going to talk about. Uh, I, I don't assess with uh, numbers. I don't give percentages. Mm -hmm. I, I, give, I give a comment. I wrote them down here because this is all new. There's a teacher, uh, she's in New Jersey, Saxton, I believe is what her, uh, um, I don't want to mess up her name. She's a gradeless teacher. She's known in the States, and I, I forgot her name. I was supposed to write it down, and I forgot. But she, she uses uh, words like it's, if my students are giving me a, uh, uh, something written or anything that I have to assess, I will put either exceeds expectation, meets expectation, is approaching expectation, or is beginning. Mm -hmm. So there, it's the letter E, M, A, and mm -hmm. B. And for exceeds, meets, approaches, or begins. And then I'll write comments and try to help the student with comments uh, on what they did right, what they did wrong, and how they can improve. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like a level four, a level three, level two, a level right. one. But I actually put the letter E, M, A, and B. I teach that to my students. So if you get that letter, look on my wall. I have a poster that says all these letters and what the words mean. And I am, I'm not a big fan of assessment, I'll tell you right now. And maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe a lot of teachers are, are going to say, well, you, I have to assess. I understand. But it's not what motivates me every day. It's the yeah. least the, the least. I can assess the better, but I have to assess 
and um, I do, I assess writing, I assess listening, I assess the, the four strands, uh, but I'm not a big fan of assessment and I don't give percentages, I don't give marks uh, because I don't believe in them. And I, I'm trying to go gradeless. I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a system where you have to grade. I'm part mm -hmm. of a Facebook group. If teachers want to go that way, there's a great Facebook group, a uh, gradeless uh, Facebook group for teachers. And I'm trying okay. to learn how to go gradeless. Do you have tools that help you track anything, like information about your students? I've really learned from you over the past year is like all of these amazing learning activities mm -hmm. have gotten my students speaking in like such beautiful ways. Mm -hmm. And but I have no idea how to track any of this. And I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to or what pieces I should be tracking. And, and so that's where I, but for me, the priority is like, I'm just happy they're speaking. And so that I, I'll worry about the assessment piece later. But now that I feel like I've gotten to a point where, okay, I have a bank of like activities that I know my students like, and, and we're learning more each day. I feel like I should be at a place where I should start assessing some of this. Yeah. So I listening, uh, I know most of my students understand when I speak because AIM gives them that tool. Mm -hmm. So my, I, you know, I, I know I, most of my students, when I speak French, everything I say in French was taught through gesturing and teaching in context. So now I don't need to gesture anymore. I could just speak French and I know my students understand. If I mm -hmm. say uh, 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 in French, you know, open the bin that's in front of you and go get a clipboard, a pencil, an eraser. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I know they understand because they're doing it. So right. uh, marking for that is, is quite easy. Uh, my writing assessments, I, I believe it or not, I give short dictates now where they have to draw. We learn a story, aim play, movie talk story. I will uh, give the kids two, three sentences. They have to listen to the sentence, copy it on a small piece of paper, and then they have to draw what they wrote, right? Mm. So it's, yeah. it's a drawing, it's a drawing dictate. Not, not only do you have to write what I, I said, but now you have to draw for comprehension. Right. So all these, little, all these little writing assessments, mm -hmm. I keep in a folder for their class. And I, at, before I start doing my report cards, I will staple all the writing and the reading and all the assessments I staple together. Mm -hmm. And then I just go through them and mm -hmm. I look at, at my comments. I look at the, the E, the M, the A, or the B that I gave. I, I, I see where they're at, and then mm -hmm. I make a judgment call on what mark they should get. Again, it's, right. not, it's not perfect. It's, 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 it's simplified, but because mm -hmm. I don't like to assess, I have a portfolio. That's what I have of every yeah. student. And then I can go through this portfolio and then determine, you know what? She did understand that. She got a lot of uh, meeting expectation. To me, that's between a 72 to a 75. And that I kind of gauge on where that student is, and then I give a percentage. But I, I, I do a piece of writing every week, either a mm -hmm. detail or anything else that's going to make them look at this picture and write a short paragraph. And right. then I'll take that. A lot of time, Jen, and a lot of times I tell them, spelling and grammar don't count. Yeah. So That's what I've been I telling want my you students. To do, so then they can relax and write. I say, mm -hmm. if in French, if I can understand what the word is, then you're okay. Yeah. I want your ideas uh, on paper. That's I want. I want to see how you think. 
And so relax with the spelling, relax with the grammar, do your best, mm -hmm. obviously. And finally, for oral, a lot of my students, I know exactly where they are because they're speaking all the time in class. What I do for those who don't speak, I do a one-on-one -on -one interview in a hallway. So just to say, I'll ask them questions about themselves, just mm -hmm. something that gives me a look, because some students will rarely or ever speak. I have students that I never hear talk in the class, and all of a sudden, I'm asking questions mm -hmm. in the hallway, one-on-one, -on -one, and the kids mm -hmm. are answering in complete sentences. They understand. So it, it gives me an idea where they're at. So again, it's not a foolproof system. It's, it's not a fantastic assessment system, but it's my system, and it works for me. And I think I'm fair with my grades. I've rarely had a parent or a student complain. That's great. Very rarely, unless the parents are, it's all about grades. Right, but right, there, right. there's very few of those. Yeah. Yeah. How do you support students or what do you do to differentiate for students? Do you ever get them that are Francophone students or students who come from immersion? Yeah, uh, quite a few. Uh, especially they leave immersion in grade six, come to core mm -hmm. French in grade seven. I have one that I can think of right away. I'm not going to say her name. I'd love to. She's a lovely student. She's <laughs> gun ho She's outspoken. She takes risks. She loves to talk. She's a great role model for the rest of the class. Um, I let these kids come in and do as much as they can. Where they really struggle is in their writing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I take them and I push them more into their writing. We have grammar raps with AIM that I teach my students. And those students, I'll pair up with another strong student, and I'll ask them to retell the story, continue the story that we've learned, and, and really push the writing more than the oral. What I'll also do is help them with a, a new student, pair them up, help them out uh, with their reading. Let, her, mm -hmm. let the new student copy your writing. You know, make, make the new student feel productive by just copying what these stronger students can do. So I get one or two every year. There's one who's French. There's one or two out of immersion. Uh, they come in. They seem to like what I do, even though they do speak some French because they were in immersion. Uh, and they come in and they're very energetic and I just let them go. But in the writing, I'll push them more than my regular students, especially in the writing. Mm -hmm. Learning French can be a tough sell to students, especially when they've been in it for years and they're not feeling successful. And every time I hear you speak at conferences and every time when I chatted with you when I visited in Ottawa, you always are like passionate and energized. And how do you stay so positive and excited and inspired to teach French as a second language? I love what I do. I'm getting emotional. I love teaching languages. I, I love the way I teach. I look forward to going to work every day. For the last 20 years, there's not one day that I didn't feel like going to work. If you love what you do and you're passionate about it, the students will see it, they will feel it, they will trust you, and they will follow you. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, your students your students are going to check out somewhere along the way. They're going to check out and go, I don't believe in you. I don't trust you. And I don't think you really care. And that's my biggest fear is to, to disappoint, not disappoint, but to let them down on a class or a date where I didn't do the best I could do to inspire them. 
So every morning I go to school an hour and a half before the bell, I have my coffee and I say to myself, what can I do today to inspire these kids to one, speak and two, to have fun and be engaged. And it takes me an hour to figure things out. And I'm at a point in my career where I kind of feel it and I just do it. And most of the time it works. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm very lucky. Uh, I know where I'm at in my career and I only have four, four or five years left before I retire. And it's almost like I'm almost at the end and I'm afraid that <laughs> I have so much more to give that I'll be done. So uh, it kind of a scary thought to, to think that uh, I'm, I'm winding down my career, but uh, it, it's, it's still after 20 years. I started late in my mid thirties to teach. Um, I still have the passion. I have the energy and I hope it continues. So to me, it's your energy. It's your, your passion to teach languages. And if you have that, the kids will jump on board because they'll go, wow, this guy, this guy or this girl, this woman is, means it, knows it, and is like, I want to jump on board. And I think that's part of my success with my students. And it's been, it's been like that for, for years and years. I hope it continues. <laughs> Me too. Like any good educator, we do a ticket out the door on this podcast. And so these are a few random questions and you can just kind of like say the first thing that comes to your mind. Sure. Okay. So what is your favorite book to read to young people? Um, I don't read novels to my students, but we do a lot of mm -hmm. stories. So what I like to do, Jen, is movie talks. They're like, they're like short stories. They're animation YouTube videos that I, I go through them once a week. And those are the, the stories that I tell because I actually walk, I talk through the movie without sound. That's what a movie mm -hmm. talk is. And I'll pause the video. We talk about it. I'll ask questions, play it another 10, 15 seconds. And I pause mm -hmm. and I walk them through this video. So I don't read books to my students, but I, I read short movies to my students. Right. Students. Who is your favorite edu celebrity? Uh, Sylvia Duckworth. Mm -hmm. She's uh, awesome. Uh, very inspiring. Uh, Wendy Maxwell, I have to thank her because she's the one who created AIM. And she has changed my career uh, like no other person has. Um, I've traveled the world giving workshops in many continents for the last 15 years. I've been all over the world giving workshops, inspiring teachers to use AIM. And uh, so Wendy Maxwell is uh, someone I look up to. If you weren't a teacher, what do you think you would be doing? I love to paint. Oh, wow. I, I would probably be a, a painter. Yeah, uh, it, it, painting for me is a form of therapy. I love to wow. iron. Uh, you know the brush I don't know and I'm not an artist uh, but uh, I think painting would be would have been a, a great career for me uh, if I wasn't a teacher and that's what I think I might be doing after I retire is maybe start painting homes uh, wow. it's just very therapeutic yeah mm -hmm. so running I do a lot of running training for a marathon by the way I have a marathon in two weeks uh, that I'm uh, happy to do because I'm tired of running and training. Uh, but uh, it, running is, is therapeutic and painting is, is the same thing. So probably 
painting would have been a great career for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What is your favorite school safe snack? Um, what do I like to snack on at school? I like to snack on what uh, parents bring us or <laughs> a, uh, uh, a retired teacher will bring a cake in the staff room or parents will bring cookies and leave it for us in the staff room. It doesn't happen often, but I, I love to snack on that. And I, I always have an apple uh, and I love to snack on an apple at the end of the day. That's, it's almost mm -hmm. routine. It's my apple uh, as I go home. It's not at school, but I, I sort of have my routine of what I eat every day and uh, the times I eat obviously are always the same. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm very routine. It's, it's all about routine for me and it's all about a lot of the same food. And finally, what do you think is the future of learning? I, I'll tell you honestly, I'm afraid for core French. So I always relate it to what I teach. I think so many students are going into immersion now. My board, I think 80% of our students are in immersion. So oh, the wow. English program is slowly disappearing, which means that the core French position is slowly disappearing. They'll ask an immersion teacher to teach one or two classes here and there. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I've seen it at my own school. I've seen it in other schools where uh, for the immersion teacher, core French is not a, a big priority because their, their priority is teaching immersion, but now they're asked to teach one class of core, maybe two per week, one a day, whatever. And I, I find that the, the, we're cheating our students, core mm -hmm. students, core French students, are a really good, solid French education because I, I find that uh, a lot of the teachers are not, that's not where they want to be. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm hoping that's not the case, but I, I fear that uh, the core French teacher eventually will, will disappear because there won't be enough students. There's so many more methods and, and ways to teach language. And I, I hope that we focus on oral spoken interaction because at the end of the day that's what we want from our students to drop them off in montreal quebec city paris and be able to communicate with a stranger on where to go or give directions or just have a chat with somebody so that's mm -hmm. where i focus my my energy every day is what can i do to make my students speak today with me or within themselves so they become more proficient in french Voilà. Thank you. Merci. A big thank you to Jen for sharing Richard with all of us and conducting her first podcast interview. You were a natural and a pro, and I'm grateful to have you in my life. It might not be realistic for all of us to go deskless in our classrooms. But I think a really important question to ask ourselves is what do we just assume we need in our classrooms that we could actually do without and perhaps our students might benefit from it? Maybe it's not a physical object, but perhaps it's another structure that may actually be holding your students back from meaningful learning. What would happen if we dared to experiment for one class, a week, a unit, a whole year? If this show resonated with you, or you think someone else would like it, please share it with a friend. This is a small grassroots podcast, and when it's shared friend to friend, we can grow the show and expand the magic we are creating. 
That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep on experimenting, and remember, we are teaching tomorrow.